Life is every bit as important as work, and it's got to consume our thoughts on an equal basis. And I give our nurses and everybody credit out there that said enough's enough. We are not going to sacrifice our entire life, even though we love nursing, but it's a piece of who we are. It's not our total being. Without continually evaluating and improving the nurse experience as a whole, we can't create exceptional work environments for both nurses and the patients that they care for. I'm Rebecca Corin, and this is Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. Betty Jo Rocchio is Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer at Mercy, one of the top 25 largest health systems in the United States. But for Betty Jo, it isn't about the numbers. It's about connection. When nurses are given time and space to balance their life, both in their careers and at home, patients and caregivers flourish. From working throughout the pandemic to adding in new technology at work, Betty Jo shares what efforts are moving the needle to create better healthcare work environments. For Betty Jo, the innovative ideas that she's working to implement all started at home with her mom before she stepped into nursing school. And that's where we'll begin. Hi, Betty Jo. Thank you so much for joining us today on Moments Move Us. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Love having you. And I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you and hear a little bit about your story, which I think is very unique, especially when you think about sort of the nexus between nursing and business. So would you mind kicking us off and sharing how you got into this work? And you can go way back if you want. <laughs> sure. Well, it started out of high school when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, just like all 18-year-olds out there. It's a hard decision at that age. So what did I look toward? Something that was familiar to my family, which is nursing. And so my mother was a perioperative nurse leader and had been in nursing her entire life and career. And so she and I would have long conversations about what nursing entails. And one of the things she imparted to me was that healthcare is everybody's right, but it's becoming more of a business. And she thought that nurses in their next phase of their career would have to be very smart about business as well as nursing to be able to participate. So she and I had a conversation about this. And before I went off to school, I decided that while I wanted to be a nurse, my heart was in nursing, that my head might have to have a little bit of business in it. I embarked on that career as well. Absolutely love that. You know, it's interesting because I think back to what nursing was like too, several decades ago, it really has changed a lot. So for her to have this sort of forethinking of what is to come in nursing, it's really amazing. Can you share a little bit about how you balance the head and the heart in your, I mean, and now you're, you're at the top of the game in terms of being a chief nurse. I mean, what, how do you do that? So I think your heart has to lead the decision-making when you're a nurse, you're a nurse first, it is a calling. So you have to lead with your heart. But your head also has to be in the game, not only for the patients, but for the coworkers that you serve as well. The nurses that you're leading have to understand a little bit of the business principles and, and get behind certain things as you're making decisions. But the patient's always at the center once you're a nurse. So it, it always leads, that, that heart always leads. I think a lot about sort of 
the head side of things, especially during COVID and how I feel like all of us, our hearts just opened up during COVID. There was no way that they couldn't even more than before, especially in the nursing world where nurses were serving as really family for patients who weren't able to have their families at the bedside and how that was something that people were taking on and sicker patients than they ever had before. And some of that piece. And then Also for someone like you having to kind of wear that business hat at the same time to make sure sort of from the strategic sort of overarching end beyond the heart piece that was that you were caring, not just for the patients through your nurses, but also for your caregivers and also managing the challenges that existed during COVID and now in the aftermath. How did you kind of balance that? How did you see that play out? It was a little bit of a struggle, right? There was a lot of death and dying during COVID. Patients were suffering our nurses were suffering, our physicians were putting in long hours. I think it's really about going straight to the front line. So I have a ministry level position, so I do quite a bit of traveling and I didn't slow down even during COVID, maybe in the first couple of months when things were a little rocky, but then I got right back out there and started traveling. There's no better way to make decisions than than to see what's going on out there. And so combining my nurse leaders that are out in the communities with my decision-making, and and we really did it together. They were closer to the front lines, traveled in to see what was going on, and it helps you make better decisions when you're right there at the front line. So I had a lot of help, but still at the end of the day, had to make some decisions around staffing, resources, money allocation. And I'll tell you, in the beginning, it was particularly difficult because we weren't doing a lot of surgeries, right? Everything shut down in the health system. And so reprioritizing what everybody was doing um, and they asked how we were spending our money, it was different for us. But I still say going to the front lines and seeing what's going on really helps you get a good picture of the decisions that you need to make. And I do still practice because the best place to make decisions is by the bedside. And there's a lot, there's a lot that nurses have to overcome on a daily basis. So being in there a little bit and understanding really gives me hopefully a better perspective to make decisions from. How could it not? It's an example of walking the walk over and over again. So even in COVID traveling, you know, not limiting your travel and getting out there in the front line, continuing to practice all of these things that kind of keep your skills fresh, but also allow you to feel what the front line is feeling as the ebb and flow of the industry continues. And we have evolved so much. What are some of the things that you're noticing now? like that at the front line, like, cause I know that workforce is a huge passion area for you. You know, what are some things that you think that all nurse leaders should be looking at right now? And maybe any insights that you've had from being on the front line yourself. So today it's about flexibility. It's interesting. There was a national nursing shortage before COVID started. <laughs> no doubt, right? We were, we've been short in nursing for a little bit, but what COVID really did was provide opportunity for our nurses to travel more, to get out there a little bit, to control their own schedules, maybe a little bit more than they could before. And so what we're starting to see is they want that flexibility. And so that work-life balance is has just become more and more important. I think it was before, but I think it's a non-negotiable in nursing right now. So figuring out what that looks like while still having the patients get the very best care, right? That's what's in front of all nursing leaders today. There's no doubt. And workforce is my passion because one of the things that keeps me up at night is knowing that nurses are working so hard on the front lines and they're going home without the energy for their personal life. That really, it shouldn't be a choice, right? We should be able to do both. 
And so just because nursing's a calling doesn't mean that their lives aren't important, their personal lives. So really started before COVID understanding that this was likely going to happen to us at some point, but it really threw some gasoline on the fire during COVID. We started a lot of work around our workforce layers and how do we get enough help at the front line so there's a decreased workload for our nurses? That work started a couple of years ago. We had to take a little pause during COVID, but I will tell you, it ramped back up with even more vigor because what we saw go on was nurses really, I will say there was some moral injury that went on really during COVID that they have to recover from. And so giving them the time and space to be able to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about, we talk about like work-life balance and it's funny how we separate the word work out of life. It's like work-life balance, but it's just life balance really at the end of the day, right? It really is. It really is. And you know, how you mix that probably is going to determine how successful you are at recruiting nurses, hundred percent. So when you think about recruiting nurses now, like what are the things that you're doing or, or what would an ideal be for innovation around sort of how we create this, let's just say, life balance for our nurses today. You know, I know you're also a big time innovator. So would love to hear a little bit about your wild ideas and maybe some of the ideas you've already done, maybe a mix. So I do have some wild ideas on this because I believe there's not a problem we can't solve. It's just a matter of asking the question correctly. So It's interesting if we all shared workforce equally in our health system, would we have enough nurses, knowing that nurses work in all different areas? And so one of the things that my nursing leaders and I set out on was creating workforce layers, intentionally separating out the different types of things that nurses may want to experience. So when you take a look at generational differences, you take a look at just where people are in their lives, right? There's a life cycle to a nurse that may lead them to work in different ways. And then, of course, they have significant others, mom and dad responsibilities, right? We're caregivers for our whole family. So how do we design a workforce layer that really can hit that nurse at every single point in their career and they can choose where they want to be. It's, they're not locked in, right? We're not, they're not prisoners, but they can choose where they want to be. And our goal, our leadership team set out to look at how do we give nurses what they need at every step in their career, even those that may retire that want to come back and even do some part-time work. Nursing has a very physical component to it. So how do we make sure that nurses can still contribute with their experience in their brains but maybe their backs are out a little bit. And so we're lucky enough to have all those capabilities in Mercy. So we really started thinking about our core coworkers and they're our base. They're our tried and true that are here every single day. How do we create for them flexibility around their schedule and picking up some of the incentive shifts to help us out more? So We started thinking there about them first, and then we went to all the agency. (laughs) Any nurse leader out there is thinking, yeah, agencies was a really big part of how we made it through this pandemic. Well, they're likely never going away. So on top, we had agency. And then in the middle, we said, how do we build a workforce layer that has maximum flexibility? And it's really taking a look in the industry to see what has been done around the workforce. So there are contractors that come in and out that work for themselves that do specific projects for companies. And so we took that concept and we iterated it into nursing. 
And so that middle layer has a regional float pool, it has a gig nursing workforce, and it has a local float pool. We just develop strategies and ways that people can work with us that fits their needs. That seems really important in terms of kind of layering that in, especially when you think about the gig workforce and the gig economy. You know, I think a lot about how what you were saying before about when you have a calling, right, for something, it's like, how do you not sacrifice sort of yourself for the calling? And I feel like we've asked nurses for way too long to do just too much. It was like a boundarylessness to what nurses do. And people have talked a lot about how COVID has kind of inspired more boundaried you know, sort of behavior within, especially within nursing practice and obviously getting people to work at the top of their license is part of this. But I think it's important to think about how this kind of fleshes out now that we're in such a competitive sort of work environment of what does it look like to be a nurse today? Like what is the ideal sort of environment? You talked about flexibility. You talked about being able to really like leave the day still filled up, like have energy for your family. I think the modern day nurse has different expectations than maybe what was back in the day. And, and as your mom said, you need to have the head and the heart. And I think even now, like nurses, whether you want to be in leadership or not, you kind of have to have both because this is an industry that's ever changing and people have a lot to bring to this. Even if they don't necessarily want to go into leadership, they can still bring a lot. What would you say to young nurses today or prospective nurses? I would say that we're understanding you. We are hearing what you need. We're watching where you're moving, what you're doing. I think there's a little bit of a little bit of shock sometimes um, when you're used to taking care of one patient in school and then you get out and you have five or six patients, right? It's a whole different world. So we're starting to train nurses differently. I think we need a paradigm shift on the education side as well as on the practice side. We have a good number of nurse practitioners today that still want to practice. And how do we use that skill and talent set to augment RN nursing staff and our LPN nursing staff. So we've got to start thinking about mixing, mixing it in a way that makes sense for our patients, taking into consideration that work-life balance is going to be key. And there are people that want to work extra and make money. How do we take advantage and give those people the opportunity to make money? There are people that want to put in their shifts and go home and take care of their family. So we've got to figure out what that balance looks like. And so it's a dynamic thing. It's not going to stay steady. It's going to change depending on your workforce. But I can tell you that preparing nurses for what the healthcare environment looks like today is going to be essential, making sure they come out with the right skill set. And for you, Betty Jo, because I think about what is it like for a chief nurse in this moment in time, like holding the space for your leaders, understanding the balance, understanding the challenges. How do you personally manage this? Well, it's interesting. You know, there was a period of a couple of years there where I didn't sleep much, but here's the thing. I have a great nursing leadership team. I've got so many great leaders in this ministry. I can't even tell you. They are great change management experts. They will move on a dime. They will bring opportunities forward and we solve it as a team. And so we're a really cohesive team in all 45 hospitals that we're all striving to make this better. And it's easy when you have people that you love working with that are right there with you and that help you build the vision, the strategy, so our nurses can lead a better life. Honestly, it comes down to people, right? It comes down to those moments in time that are defining, right? It either mm -hmm. caused chief nurses to leave their position or it caused them to ingrain further into where they were working. And 
this Mercy Ministry is one that has a ton of great leaders in it. We also have a culture of innovation throughout our entire health system. And so the world opens up when you have a lot of possibilities and you have the right people working on them. So I think that's it. We've actually come out stronger and where we went, and I think that's a hallmark of a good team, digging in together and and solving the toughest problems in healthcare. Totally. A good challenge leads to incredible innovation and opportunity. That's for sure. And I like a great challenge, right? And so you talked about my work-life balance, understanding when enough's enough and to leave things alone, what to tackle, the priorities. It's always a priority juggle, right? Because there's so many things to do in healthcare. And so there are so many things you can do today and the rest has to be putting a parking lot to solve for later. So just making sure you understand what that is and and giving your all towards the top priority. You know, when you talked about the moment in time, of course, that really is a major passion area of mine. This podcast is called Moments Move Us. I would love to hear, and I know our listeners would love it as well, to hear a moment in your career when you felt like either you saw yourself in a different light or it was a transformative moment for you. Of course, when your mom said that to you, that was a big transformative moment about the business and the nursing piece. Has there been another one that has really stuck with you and informed the way that you lead? I have had so many great mentors along the way in my career. In fact, I have only applied to one leadership, like truly applied to one leadership position in my career. Everything that I've learned and everything I know and continue to learn is built by relationships. Honestly, getting close enough to people that are so smart that you can learn something from them and take it back to your daily life. And not just nursing, it's areas in business and industry. I try to reach out and learn as much as I can from those that I deem, of course, right, that are really smart. And my leadership career has really been influenced at several points along the way. But one of the major things um, was I'm from Columbus, Ohio, originally, and I had the opportunity. At the time, I didn't know. I was doing anesthesia. I'd been doing it for about seven years out of school. And a group of orthopedic surgeons started the first for-profit orthopedic hospital in that area of the country, right? And it was a big deal. You can imagine the non-for-profit hospitals were none too happy, right, that they decided to branch out. And they asked me to come along and build a great anesthesia group along with a group of anesthesiologists. And I was like, okay, you know, this sounds like fun. But it was a lot of pressure because everybody in the not-for-profit world was kind of amazed, right, that I would leave that world to go over and build this. But it was new. It was exciting. I trusted the surgeons that were going. And so I've just been given a lot of great opportunities that I'm just, I can't tell you so thankful for. But I also never waste an opportunity. Take Mm -hmm. the opportunity to learn as much as you possibly can about whatever it is. Even if you think it doesn't apply to you, I guarantee you, you'll need that learning somewhere in your career. And so I learned how to write healthcare as a business on the front lines, making it happen. And that was just a really great experience. And I will tell you that they embraced me, asked me to be the chief nursing officer at the hospital eventually, right? That was my start. But had I not made that leap over to for-profit, I might not have had that opportunity, but it was a really hard move to to leave the patients in the not-for-profit world and, and head over there because you could imagine people were saying, oh, it's all about the money. It was actually all about the very best outcomes. And I learned that from the ground up. And so that was another pivotal moment. And I had a lot of great mentors when I got there. 
to that hospital. And then we eventually sold out to a not-for-profit in town that changed hands. And I had the opportunity to run all the surgical departments in that not-for-profit health system. So it just one thing builds on another. And I would tell people, just be open to the moments with your heart and your head and embrace everything that comes your way in life because Mm -hmm. it pays off eventually. So powerful. So well said. You know, when you had that opportunity, you're really faced with with doing something completely new to you, you know, and going into the for-profit world. But you took that leap, like you said, like you embraced what was new. How do you encourage others to do that? I think especially for women. Women have a hard time diving into to new things if, unless they're extremely comfortable. We're extremely comfortable sort of doing something. Like sometimes it's like, just put your hat in the ring. You'll learn the rest on the job. You will develop. It's not always about experience. Sometimes it's about what you bring to the table and how you will grow into that opportunity. How do you help people feel enough inspiration, enough motivation to kind of take that leap like you did? So I think it's by giving them small opportunities that makes them into a different type of thinker about their world, their career. Think about it. As women, we are asked every day to juggle priorities, multiple priorities, right? That's the hallmark of a good leader, honestly, at the end of the day. So it's almost like our gender and our preparation for this life starts out like that. And the world knocks it out of us, if anything, right? Because We get into a zone where we're tired and we're exhausted. And being a change leader or thinking about doing something differently requires a certain amount of energy. And so placing priorities in your life where you are so you have enough energy to make that leap. And I try with my leadership team to set that up. So we're not overburdening any one person, but we're spreading it out amongst our team, stretching people according to priority and what you give them to handle and what you ask them to do. I've done it my whole career. And sometimes, you know, people need a little more encouragement than others, but people gave me what I needed to get here today. And I feel like I have to give back and keep moving things forward and helping people stretch. There are just naturally, I like to categorize it as now, near and far thinkers. And the now thinkers are really good in the day-to-day. They can make anything happen. The near thinkers can look at a different world. And then the far thinkers are those futuristic thinkers that see a vision and a plan. And my job on my leadership team is to make sure that my leaders, if they're now thinkers stretched near, don't stretch them too far because they won't have the energy. And then the near thinkers get to the far. And then eventually we keep moving. The best ideas come from the now, the near and the far thinkers sitting at the same table. And that's where the magic happens. I just had this vision of thinking of people sitting at the table with now, near, far, and then just their minds sort of converging. I love that imagery. And it is so exciting to think about how people's different skill sets and vision can kind of bring together solutions that really encompass sort of the current needs, but also plan for the future and see what's possible. And I think that ability to kind of really imagine what's possible It's based in a lot of things. And sometimes it's based from other industries. Sometimes it's based in your personal life of, I mean, I've spoken to someone who like had an experience with her son with Legos and then had an inspiration for a huge project at work. I mean, inspiration comes from so many places. We have to cultivate that at all costs. And it's by creating a lot of sort of minds that come from different perspectives in one room who can really share openly, vulnerably, and then build. And you said it great earlier. You said 
work life isn't separate, right? But oftentimes in our world, it is, right? And so there's oftentimes, I have my best ideas, you know, in, in the shower in the morning sometimes, or I mean, there's times I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, yep, that's the answer to that problem. Like yeah. I've been working on it for months. And sometimes trusting yourself and not rushing the process of yeah. how you get to somewhere gives you time to kind of marinate in it and think about it from nine different ways and other people's perspectives come in. Two heads are better than one, three is better than two, and four is phenomenal, right? Give it time. And even meeting you and having this exchange somehow will influence something that goes on somewhere, right? If we're open to it. Absolutely. I know that these conversations always open up my mind to new possibilities and also just fill my cup. You know, talk about like what fills your cup. I always leave these conversations feeling more energized and inspired, just knowing all of the incredible people that are out there just trying to make our industry better. And I feel like there's never been more people who are so passionate and bringing so many things into this mix. I mean, I don't think 20 years ago, we would be talking about spaciousness, like how you're talking about sort of spaciousness and life balance and all of these things. I don't think we would be talking about that at that moment, but here we are. So how far have we come, but how far do we still need to go? I mean, let's be clear, we have a long way to go, but we have progressed. And I think that the last three years showed us how fast we can go. Why stop now? That's right. It showed us that life is every bit as important as work. And it's got to consume our thoughts on an equal basis. And I give our nurses and everybody credit out there that said enough's enough. We are not going to sacrifice our entire life, even though we love nursing, but it's a piece of who we are. It's not our total being. And I know that sounds pretty far off, but I think that's what it called into question was we watched a lot of people suffer in a lot of different ways. And it really called the question, where are we at in work-life balance? And they're putting their foot down and we're developing ways to make it happen, right? Love it. Yes. And every day we make a choice. How do we spend our time? That's how do we live our lives. How we spend our time is, is living. <laughs> so how we live is has to be indicative of our priorities. And if we feel those priorities are out of whack, we can't bring our full selves to any of it because we're going to be hoping that we were somewhere else. And we all need to just be happy with where we are. It's interesting because I've had a conversation before with friends about seeking happiness versus seeking harmony. And like, really, it's about the harmony because we can't always be happy, but we can be harmonious in what we choose. That's right. You are a hundred percent right. And how we take care of ourselves, are we taking the time to eat properly, exercise the things that we know that puts our body and our mind in, in the right frame to be able to enjoy life? And let's face it, how much time do we spend at work? We should enjoy that. It should be a piece of what makes our heart and our head harmonious, right? That everything's yes. moving in the same direction. And if not, I don't blame people for stopping to think about what they're doing. It's a lot of time that you spend at work. So you should be happy. I totally agree. So Betty Jo, when you look at where we are now and where we're going, what do you see down the pike in 10 years from now? Like what kind of conversation are we going to be having in 10 years? I think we're going to be further ahead in the work-life balance, but I also think in healthcare, we're going to see a ton of technology that helps our coworkers, our nurses, everybody at the clinical bedside helps us be better and get things done faster, quicker, and deliver better patient outcomes without sacrificing our own personal selves. So when you take a look at the rate of automation outside of healthcare, 
it's extreme. I think I'm starting to watch that come into healthcare a little bit. You know, I'm watching things on the horizon. We are launching a mobile clinical platform that keeps nurses by the bedside. So in fact, tomorrow I have a big nursing meeting. Uh, actually, Thursday, I have a big nursing meeting talking about, okay, we have our workforce layers at least straightened out for the moment, knowing that they change. We're starting to work on work environment, workflows, and what it means to our frontline caregivers to make it a frictionless experience for them. And some pieces of it will be adding in technology in spots we didn't think about before. For example, if you're in a hospital today, you'll see nurses charting on the bedside computer or they'll bring in a a portable computer. We're starting now to dream about using our handheld phone that we use every day, right? And our apps, our normal life. We are starting to plan today in Mercy for how do we use that so the nurses, the patients, the families, everybody stays better connected and the communication flows better. But one piece of it is getting off of of turning on the computer and being able to voice activate chart on a phone. So, for example, we could be doing something with a patient, a physical assessment and charting it at the same time rather than waiting and going back and charting. That workflow makes so much more sense, right? It takes out having to remember what you saw, go back and chart it, and then have to get back by the patient's bedside. So starting to think about where nurses want to spend their time, and guess what? It's not in charting. We didn't go to school to... That's correct. I don't think any person went into nursing thinking, I can't wait to chart. Yeah. Yay, I get to work on this computer. This is fantastic. No, they, they want to spend more time with the patients, right? right? But we we drag them away from the patient's bedside. Well, let's keep them by the bedside yeah. in ways, I will tell you, these younger nurses today, they're amazing with the amount of technology that they can navigate at the same time as doing patient care. And so let's start to incorporate that into their workflows where it makes sense, right? And we still have to connect in with them. And so we do something called bedside shift report, handing one nurse off to the next. We're going to start to do it in front of the patient on our phones and connect in the family through an iPad. So the family can hear what went on all night. So they know that their their mother or loved one has had great care all night or maybe what we need to focus on. So the family unit can be connected into what's going on. And so any opportunity we have to bring family, patient, physicians, nurses, everybody onto the same game page, we should really be thinking about that. Even if technology is a big part of it. We have to learn how to embrace that into workflow. So we're going to start looking at it. And what a gift to a family to be able to do that, because I know that as a family member, parent who suffer from chronic illness and just being in the hospital, it's like you try to get there at change of shift. You try so hard. You try to get there during certain rounding periods, but it's not predictable and it's so hard. So that kind of ability lets the family be a part of it. And it reduces how many times the poor families like calling into the nurse's station. I can imagine how powerful that will be. I haven't had that experience yet. Hopefully over the course of my care experiences in the future, I would have an experience like that because it makes you feel so much safer when your loved one is being cared for outside of your zone of vision. That's right. And we're even going to start, we have something called My Mercy Bedside, start posting the schedule for that inpatient. So you would know when your mother was going down for a test or 
received her medications, right? You would be able to see it all. You could continue to work and be able to see that the care was going on and communicate that way with caregivers. And so how do we connect each other? I like to call it a digital ecosystem for better patient outcomes. But guess who gave us this idea? It was frontline bedside nurses. During COVID, they needed a way to contact the family. So they pulled out their phone and connected people in. And then I was like, well, this makes total sense, right? Talk me through this. Talk our leadership yeah. team through this, right? And so now we're on the back half going, let's not let this great idea go <laughs> go away, right? So that's who teaches you. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And if you watch long enough, they'll give you the answers that you probably need to be mm-hmm. heading toward. Absolutely. And clearly you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Betty Jo, we're going to transition into the second part of our conversation today, which is a speed round of questions so that our listeners can get to know the real Betty Jo. So are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Okay, Betty Jo, where can you be found on a typical Sunday when you're not rounding in a hospital? Today, it's football season. So in the afternoon, in front of a TV set, watching football, I'm a huge football fan. I will watch any team. But my favorite for college is Ohio State and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. I'm an Eagles fan. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, I know. Have, we have things in common. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we can get past that for this. <laughs> we definitely can. Oh, love it. Love it. Next question. This is a question that I love asking people because you never know where they're going to go with it. What does less than 10% of your work family know about you? They probably don't know how much that I enjoy football. But the second thing is probably that I really think long and hard and deep about this work-life balance thing that we talked Mm -hmm. about today. Like I think about it on all kinds of different levels because it does keep me up at night to think that just because you're a caregiver and you chose that calling that your personal life has to suffer. And so that really hits me in a spot and drives me forward, I think, more than most people would know. I feel it, Betty Jo, and hopefully we'll have a number of people from Mercy listening in on this. So they'll hear it again even more because every time we talk, I know how much you are passionate about that. And really, you know, it like runs through your blood. It's like what kind of gets you up in the morning? It's your purpose. Yes, it is. Okay. If you could have any skill that you don't already have, what would it be? If you say like running back, I'm just going to be hysterical here. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I like to watch it, not play it. That's for sure. You know, one of the things that I think is particularly helpful in healthcare today is being very good with data sets, Mm -hmm. being able to read them and tell the story. And that's one of those things that I just never grabbed onto. It might have been when I grew up, even in my business career, right? We had to take statistics, but we didn't learn operationally how to use them. And so I have somebody on my team that does a very good job at that. And it's very intentional, right? That's really one of the things that that I wish that I had that I don't. And I, I have to rely on other people. And of course I do, but it'd be really good to be able to pick them up on my own and be really good with statistics, but it's just not in my wheelhouse. It is amazing when you see some like machine learning algorithms at play and then the data scientists are sharing with you the meaning and the analysis of it. And it's just mind blowing. I love it. I was just talking to a data scientist that we've worked with before at Wambi and I was recalling some of the data sets he showed me and it was just like, my eyes kind of rolled back and I was just like, wow, just there is so much to learn here. It gets you so excited. 
they show you the direction if you can dive into it at that level. But yeah, I need somebody to do that for me. And and we have a great team here. Thank goodness. <laughs> mm, love that. Final question, Betty Jo. If you had a superpower, what would that superpower be? It would be to be able to wave my wand and give everybody the ability to open their hearts and mind to experience their full life. I really believe there are people that don't know that they're not experiencing their full life and have many talents that are hidden. And I try to draw them out on an everyday basis to to kind of mix our team in the right way. But I think there are some people that just don't even realize their abilities and and to give them that, wave that wand because there's so many magical people out there. I, I think that as a society, we would get along better. And I think that in healthcare, we could solve problems faster. Well, I wish that we had that wand. That is so beautiful. Maybe we can bring it out without the wand. We do our best every single day. And that's what makes us continue to get up every day and do the same things. That's so true. Well, thank you so much, Betty Joe. This was an amazing conversation. Bring balance and welcome innovation. I'm Rebecca Corin. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.